How are we doing, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the In the Crowd podcast. My name's Tyler Vanderloo. Appreciate you guys tuning in yet again, liking, subscribing. Really do appreciate that. Hey, on today's pod, 2001 Heisman Trophy winner and just inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, number seven for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, Eric Crouch. This was a really good one. What an awesome guy. We talked about his playing career at Nebraska as well as just an overall Heisman weekend. Uh, As many of you guys know, every Heisman Award winner goes back to the ceremony in early December every year. And we we talked about all sorts of different things. Um, You know, I guess when I think of Eric Crouch in Nebraska football, I think of three, three different plays, I guess, come to mind. The play against Oklahoma, I guess what they call Black 41 flash reverse, where Crouch caught a touchdown pass. The 95-yard run against Missouri and the Cal game where he scored in three different ways that game. We talked about all three of those. Just, you know, really cool conversation about the Heisman Trophy weekend. Uh, I guess I didn't realize, um, do you get to bring the trophy home with you? Do they ship it to you? He tells a pretty funny story about that. He won the Heisman Trophy in 2001, like I said, which was right after 9-11. So uh, towards the end of the pod, he tells a pretty good story about that. Uh, what I guess what I thought was very interesting. Um, so sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation. Like I said, this is a really good one. 2001 Heisman Trophy winner, Eric Crouch. Let's go. With us now is former 2001 Heisman Trophy winner, college football Hall of Famer, Nebraska quarterback, Eric Crouch. I appreciate you taking time today, Eric. Uh, You're welcome. It's kind of hard to, you know, the introduction on the College Football Hall of Famer doesn't even sound right yet. It just still hasn't settled in. Right, exactly. (laughs) How about the first question I have for you, and this could take some time, what's your best accomplishment playing football? You know, that's a great question, Tyler. I, uh, I, I just have to say probably winning a big 12 championship. You know, I think it, it honestly just, it it a little bit outweighs the Heisman for me just because it was a team. You know, I know the Heisman, I mean, it's, it's, you get that individual award, but you know, football, people know, man, you got to have a great team, but like the big 12 championship was, our our whole entire team got to experience that. And to me, that's really neat. Um, So that's probably for me, like a really shiny moment in my career. That is a great answer actually. And one that I didn't honestly was not expecting. You played one year for coach Tom Osborne. What was that like? You know, I actually was a redshirt freshman that year, so I didn't actually get on the field, but I did a lot of practice and, you know, meetings and all this workouts and under Coach Osborne, and I I really enjoyed it. You know, he was, um, you know, a, a man of faith and a, a guy that had integrity, a coach that you could trust, uh, somebody that you wanted to play your heart out for. And I think, you know, looking back on all the success that he had, uh, it's easy to, to understand why you know, just spending some time with him and then also getting to know him after my football career. So uh, I've really appreciated what he's done, uh, not only for the football side, uh, but just as a human being, you know, you know, doing the right thing and being about the right stuff and 
you know, not every person is about that. And that's why I've got so much respect for somebody like Tom Osborne. You know, he, he doesn't resemble a coach where, you know, some of these coaches now have a big air about him. And when you're in the facility, you're kind of walking on eggshells. You don't want to, I guess, piss him off, so to speak. And he doesn't come across as one of those people. Not at all. I mean, matter of fact, um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. I got on an elevator and kind of got stiff as a board, just standing next to him, kind of like a statue, right? Like, my gosh, Tom Osborne standing next to me. What am I supposed to say? You know, I think that's what you're referring to. But for Tom Osborne, it's different. It wasn't like I didn't I, I, he was going to scream down my throat or say something to me that, you know, would put me in a, you know, kind of a weird state of mind. It was almost like cool, calm, collected, um, classy, you know, very intelligent, um, you know, just a really salt of the earth type of person. And and I was on eggshells for a different reason, just because that, you know, this was this was the guy. What uh, and then so Osborne Osborne retires Frank's in you know inner Frank Solich. Uh, you guys had a ton of success with Frank Solich. Um, what uh, what do you remember most about him, or was there like you know a specific story or anything like that with with Coach Solich that you appreciate? You know, uh, Coach Solich is a tremendous man too. I mean, being around Coach Osborne for all those years, um, you know, they had a special bond, and I think that there was a reason why coach Osborne named Frank his successor. And I think that, you know, not everybody realizes how great of a coach he was, but, you know, he went on after Nebraska to do some really great things and, and turn the program at Ohio around, but at Nebraska, you know, he just had that deep competitive nature. Uh, he had football smarts, uh, could really connect with his team cared about his players and um you know he was a guy that you know you could you could talk to uh pretty easily as a player and i really you know appreciate that about frank solich is you know just the ability to you know communicate do it well and again and he he you know was a guy that you 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 talked to all the running backs that went through nebraska he's coached a lot of them you know, they'd have to play their hearts out for the guy. So, you know, that translated to when he became a head coach and the whole team going out and doing those things. He had a really successful uh, five years uh, at Nebraska. What does a night before a game look like? You know, you go to practice, you do your last, you know, walk through. Then what do you guys do? Because I don't think most of the fans truly know this. Do they, I mean, back, you know, I, I don't want to age you by any means because you're not that old. But back in the day, did you guys go to a hotel and hang out? Did you, I mean, what did you guys do the night before a game? Yeah, there was a facility on campus um, uh, that we would all go to. We'd go watch a movie on a Friday night, kind of chill out, relax with the team, just kind of decompress and have a really nice meal, uh, kind of a relaxing, fun meeting with your, you know, with your position group. And then, you know, um, you know, hit, go to bed and the, the, the whole team being together, was pretty cool being in the same facility. And then obviously, um, you know, you'd wake up and have your, your, your pregame meal and all that. So, no, I really enjoyed uh, Friday's become actually one of my favorite days during the football season, just because, you know, you're out of pads, uh, your body's recovering, uh, you're working on the mental part of the game, just, you know, studying your, uh, you know, your film and reviewing for, you know, all the situations that could happen, you know, during the game and be, be prepared and be ready for them. Uh, but it was also just a day to, you know, kind of like relax and have some fun and just, 
and just kind of absorb the atmosphere that you're playing college football at the highest level. And, you know, this is supposed to be fun, not nerve wracking and, and all that, like gotta have a smile on your face and really enjoy what you're doing. And, and I just, I became, you know, uh, one of those players that just really loved that, that Friday feeling. You're one of three college football players in the, in the division one ranks to rush for 3000 yards and pass for 4,000 yards in your career. I found that actually pretty interesting because I guess I didn't think you ever threw the ball. Eric. <laughs> I thought it was just an option and you kept it and just ran yeah. down and you ran for 95 yards every time you yeah. ran the ball. I was, I, I saw that stat and I was going like, is this accurate? Man, I needed a break once in a while. I had to, I had to give my legs a break, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I love throwing the football. It just, it wasn't the system we were in, you know, it was option and a little bit of play action. And, but um, you know, and I, I probably wasn't, working on my passing skills as much as, and we just didn't, we didn't, that's not what we did at practice. You know, I was lucky to throw 10, 15 times a game. And, and so when I did, I, I took it serious because I knew how important the passing game would be. I knew that we needed big plays in the passing game, you know, to complement our, you know, our option in run game. And they had to be big plays because, you know, they were far and few between. So we tried to turn those, I mean, it'd be interesting to go back and kind of look at stats on, you know, what the average pass attempt was. And, you know, I, I would think that it would, it would, it would be a bigger than, you know, 10 plus yards, you know, and those are big plays. Those are first downs. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially when you break it down like that way, if, if each time you throw the ball as a first down, I guess that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, what in 97, your red shirt year, I'm sure you get this question a lot. You uh, played alongside with Scott Frost. Yep. Did you know then in 97, like, Hey, this guy's, different he's wired differently he he he's got it figured out at that time obviously he had a hell of a year that year but just being alongside of him what was that like you know scott was a great leader and uh, he was he was big and he was strong and and you know he he motivated me motivated me to to want to you know be better than him because you know he had you know he was a big player he had you know leadership skills and he communicated well and He's very competitive and, you know, come, growing up, uh, you know, growing up alongside him, but just being there and, and being in the same room and, you know, listening and watching the mannerisms and how he approaches the game. And, you know, you learn from that. I mean, I always say that I've kind of got a little bit of, you know, all the quarterbacks that played at Nebraska, you know, after, you know, watching them and, and, and studying them, you almost have a little bit of all of them in you in some way. And, you know, that's what I would recommend all quarterbacks that come to Nebraska do. You know, you know, look at your historical uh, QBs uh, who've played before you and, and understand how you got in that position and why you came to Nebraska. And, you know, I've I really enjoyed, you know, studying and getting to know some of the, the quarterbacks that have played in the past. And the history is so important. So from that perspective, yeah, it was um, it, I, I really did enjoy my time with scott frost and i learned a lot from him who's the best number seven in nebraska ricky simmons i'll tell you what i always run into ricky and i always say the real number seven ricky simmons and uh you know he played uh you know back in the 80s but you know a, a guy that you know struggled with some drug and alcohol addiction has changed his life around and and that's why i always enjoy and spending time with ricky simmons is because he's he's you know, he's become such a great man and overcome a lot of adversity in his life. So that's the real number seven, Ricky Simmons. That is awesome. Hey, when I think of Eric Crouch, I think of three plays. And I think that it, 
right now in your mind, you're going like, here we go again, Groundhog's Day again. The 95-yard run against Missouri. You scored three different ways against Cal, which I still think is amazing. And then, obviously, Black 41 flash reverse against Oklahoma. Which of those three are you, like, most in awe about? And obviously, they're all different, right? But like, yep. And I think the Black 41 flash reverse you knew was coming. Obviously, the play was called. But that I again that 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 ninety five yard run against Missouri. Take us through that. First off, do you remember what play that what was supposed to be ran? Uh, yeah, it was out route. We we're third and like real long nine and nine and a half. I mean, it was long. Um, you almost get sacked in the end zone for a yes. safety and kind of escape that. Yeah, you know, I got I got good at that little you know jersey tug where you kind of like shrug your shoulders and you got to get away. Um, I learned all those techniques running so much option in high school, but it was just one of those things. You just improvise. you become an athlete. You don't really think about anything, but just making a play and being an athlete and having fun. And, and really that's what happened. You know, the, the cutting and, you know, missing tackle thing was just, you know, a nature type of thing. And um, I'll, I'll never forget that play because, you know, one, it, it was a, the longest run. It still is, I think uh, at Nebraska for, uh, a run from scrimmage, but more importantly, we were being tested by Missouri and they had a lot of momentum at that point. And I think that game could have went in a really bad direction if we wouldn't have had a big play or made a first down uh, at that time. And at that moment in, in the game, and luckily it became a, such a big play. It turned the game completely around and just took the, the wind out of their sail and allowed us to cruise to victory. So I'm always going to remember that play forever. What about, the black 41 flash reverse against Oklahoma yeah. six minutes to go in the game. If you guys don't complete that, I, 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 I didn't really do my research on it. I don't even know what down it was, but <laughs> yeah, you guys were up 13 to 10 at the point. So if you don't complete that, I mean, maybe the game switches around Oklahoma gets the ball and you, I guess, never know what happens, but yeah. take us through that huddle. Did I mean, Turner Gill call that Solich call that you call it. I mean, what, how did that go down? Well, we, I'll take you back to that Monday afternoon uh, in the team meetings. Frank Solich decided to have our team meeting. And then afterwards he said, okay, uh, you know, offense and defense break up. Our offense sat down and, and he, he uh, let this, he let this whiteboard, he showed a video actually um, of all the Nebraska and Oklahoma trick plays in the, the history of, the matchups well, so we're watching we're watching all these trick plays and big plays and the next thing you know lights come on screen goes up he's got this play that's drawn you know up on the on the chalkboard and we're like yeah let's do this you know so everybody's all pumped up you know black flash 41 reverse pass we, we know what we're doing he gives us all his assignments all right let's go out in the practice field all right monday's practice you know interception tuesday's practice offsides wednesday wednesday's practice like you know, sacked, uh, Thursday incomplete Friday. It gets thrown out of the playbook. It's out. So oh we're like, gosh. yep, that's out. So <laughs> as you can imagine, like as a quarterback, I kind of like, you know, things can be black and white sometimes. And, and so I just thought, you know, it was out. So I never even thought about it again. And, you know, it, it didn't go through my mind Friday and Saturday as preparing for the game. So in my mind, it was completely out. Well, we got to this point in the game and it comes rolling in. And I heard it, and I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking, this coach has lost his ever-loving mind. 
you know, like he's, lost. he's definitely like I've, I've been around the guy. You know, he's really, really lost at this time because it didn't work once all week in practice, which is m- why it's so impressive to me that he that he had the, you know, the wherewithal to call the game. Uh, what obviously the rest is history, but like what's even crazier is was was Oklahoma doing the same exact thing during their their week of preparation because they actually called that same exact play earlier in the game and it didn't work for them and their QB was wide open. Yeah, he he, he like tripped and fell or something. Yeah, he did. He, he like fell down or something, and it was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad he fell down because that could have ended our season pretty quick too. But uh, ours worked, and again, I think it was one of those – I had two solid big plays that probably helped me, I guess helped voters make their decision when it came to, you know, voting for the Heisman. That's a good segue into the Heisman talk. What what does the Heisman weekend look like for you now that you've won the award? So take us to New York City. Like, what day do you get there? Obviously, it's announced on a Saturday night, but do you get yeah. there, like, Saturday morning? Or, I mean, do you get there uh, Thursday? Usually, usually roll in on Friday. There's the Wendy he- Wendy's High School Heisman event, the dinner that happens, and I like to attend that and get a chance to meet the high school. I mean, these kids at the Wendy's High School thing is, I mean, these guys are like, top of their class valedictorian three sport letter winners going on to be you know uh doctors and scientists and ash i mean these these people are way 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 cooler than i ever was in high school and it's just so neat to see like how hard they work and how much community involvement they have and it's just continual continual dedication to other people and i just have so much respect uh for you know 18 year olds that can do that and I never did that I didn't spend you know hours uh, hours and hours studying and committing you know committing time to other organizations at that time so for me it's really cool to see that but you know I show up on that Friday you know the events on Saturday uh, live live events Saturday night um, and then all the highs and winners usually get a chance to to mingle with each other uh, on Sundays and uh, you'll see a Broadway show, you know, go out on, on the town, kind of enjoy the city a little bit and uh, and then come home on Monday. So it's you know, it's it's a cool event for me personally, because, you know, each year uh, for number one, I want to be there to support the, the new winner that comes into the club. You know, that's first and foremost. Uh, I had a great experience when, you know, when when guys were around me, uh, when I won the award that showed up for me, I could not imagine if there was nobody there welcoming me into the club. I'd be, you know, a, a bad, bad day for the trophy. So I'm so excited to be able to get an invite to go every year and, 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 and welcome in and meet the new winner, but also spend some great time with some of the relationships um, of, of the former winners that are there that I've become friends with and, and uh, have enjoyed spending time with. What, what do you do with your trophy i mean is it like on the mantle in your living room like does your wife say like hey go put that in storage i mean like what <laughs> what what is, where is your heisman at? yeah you look at it every day and go like yeah. Dude, this is like the coolest thing i've ever done in my life it's really neat it's really cool I, you know i don't display really anything um it took you know 17 years for me to hang some nebraska you know memorabilia on the wall and um you know i just it's just not me to kind of gloat and you know put pictures of me i'd rather have like my family's pictures uh, on the walls in my house so i i keep my trophy in its original case that it was 
uh, delivered to me in. And that way it stays preserved. I don't bring it out, but maybe once or twice a year. So, um, you know, I, I value it, uh, you know, in high regard. I mean, it was a tremendous award and, and, you know, it gets more and more important every year. It just seems like it settles in more and more. And each year I, I, that goes by, it's a little bit more amazing to me uh, that I was able to accomplish something like that in my life, how much, you know, dedication and hard work it took and great coaches and teammates and, and, and really wasn't about me, but it was about everybody else that was around me, helping me get to that point in my life. When you win the award, uh, I guess, I don't know the answer to this question. That's why I'm asking it. But when you win the award, do they say like, okay, here's your Heisman, uh, throw it in your carry on and you fly back to Omaha on Monday or they, they <laughs> yeah. ship it to you? Or how does no, that work? Uh, I actually kind of a funny story. So the year that I won it, Tyler was, was nine 11. Um, and it, it, you know, I don't even know if you were born yet, but, um, yeah, so yeah. It was, <laughs> I was, I was in sixth grade then. Oh, okay, I'm 31 okay, gotcha. years old now. I gotcha. I see. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, there's other important things and, um, you know, ground zero was on fire and people had lost their family members, their best friends. And, um, you know, I spent some time down there with the, with the medical, um, firefighters, uh, medical staff, uh, people that were really, you know, real heroes, you know, it's like, Hey, great. You won the Heisman trophy and I, and that's great. And they loved seeing me down there. Uh, I actually ended up leaving ground zero with two um, helmets that were signed by all the firefighters. And they gave me a flat. I mean, wow, it was really, that's, really cool. That's, that's pretty powerful there. That's pretty cool. And so, you know, I, I look at this as like, yeah, I mean, the Heisman trophy at that time, you know, meant a lot to me, but also there, like, like I said, there were just some other factors that were, that were a little bit more important than that. And, you know, Interestingly enough, it, the same thing kind of happened with, you know, the, the pandemic uh, that we're in today with being, um, you know, into, being inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame. So it, it's always like one of these things where I feel it's great to be honored on years where there's just other things that are more important than, you know, accolades or personal awards or personal achievements. That's pretty cool. After you won the Heisman Trophy, uh, you know, obviously oh, hey, there's so I, many. I, now I know why I was telling you this story. I, 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 I missed the point. So you asked me about my trophy and how it, it gets back, but yeah. Uh, so I, I got this trophy and I'm bringing it back to the airport. It's nine 11 and I've got this steel case that I'm oh, carrying. To the airport. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Got, you know, like security, like rushed in and the dogs were there. Like, what do you got? What is this? You can't be here. What do you, what are you doing? I'm like, chill chill it's, it's the heisman trophy they're like oh, oh oh yeah so they started laughing and they're all taking pictures with me but like <laughs> can you imagine i'm walking in with this like box it looks like a bomb and it's 9 11 like really are you seriously walking in here with that so people oh my were, gosh you're yeah you're walking through laguardia airport probably yeah. not the safest exactly. <laughs> probably exactly. not the best place to be doing that exactly. at. <laughs> so there's my punchline so almost that forgot. is that is money hey after 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 you had won that uh, Heisman Trophy Award that Saturday night, you know, like I was saying, you probably have so many media obligations and it's probably so tiring. And then and then after you're all done, you kind of let loose a little bit. And, and I, I listen to Dan Patrick all the time and he tells this pretty funny story. It, you were in the New York City man cave. I don't know. About, a few years back or whatnot. And he was telling the story and I was driving. I was like, dude, dude, that is pretty cool. So after, 
after everything was said and done with, they said that you left your trophy back at the room and <laughs> you guys went out to go have a beer or do something, you know, just kind of yeah. relax. And, you know, Dan Patrick, I think, you, I, you know, like, like I said, I think that your dad was there too or whomever. Right. And you didn't have your ID with you. And so all these guys get into the pub and they're having a beer and the bouncer's looking at you like, I need your ID. And you're like, uh, hey, homeboy, I don't have my ID, but that's me right there on, on turn around. I'm on ESPN yeah. right there. That's me. And he's like, I don't care who you are, bro. You're not coming in. No ID. You're not getting in. So they that's stayed in and had a beer while you had to wait outside. I think that is like the well, coolest thing. If, if that was the way it went down, then I truly deserve to not go inside that bar because I shouldn't have been like, hey, man, there's me on TV. Like, look at me. Right? Like, <laughs> don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? Like, so, yeah, I definitely deserve not to go in that bar if that's how I acted. The bouncer in New York City doesn't know Nebraska football then, apparently, right? It's, it's all good. He doesn't have that's, to. I should hey, have brought, I, moral to the story, if you want in, bring your ID. Bring your ID. I love it. <laughs> hey, man, this has been an honor. I, I, uh, you know, I've looked up to you. Obviously, you're a great uh, football player, great person. So I, uh, I appreciate you taking time with us. And uh, again, can't thank you enough, man. Absolutely. Yeah, call any time. And I hope we have football this season so we can talk more. Absolutely. Thanks, Eric. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks, Tyler. Bye. Bye. Okay. My thanks to Eric Crouch for coming on this week's podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. What an awesome guy. Look forward to having Eric on later on down the road, and we'll see you guys next week.